Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you again. The Wednesday edition of the program. We promised you a player's recheck episode. That is what you're getting here on the docket today. Jamie sent me over a list of the players that he wanted to discuss. Players that he personally has done a second deep dive into. Has done a recheck on these players. There are seven names, Jamie, on the list that is in front of me. Were there any late arrivals to the list that I need to add here? You know how you put together an RSVP list for a party and then like a couple of days before you're like, you know what? Got to add, you know, Sonia from from HR or, you know, different people into the mix. Nobody get out, got added to this list. I love how you think I throw parties, Chris. You know me. How many that's, parties that's do you think I've personally thrown I, in my I, life? I think I've been to your house for two different things and one of them was wrestling related and I wouldn't consider it a party. There were three of us. Correct. There. Yeah, so it's one like, time so everything was either like pro wrestling or playoff baseball yeah. or football related. Okay, so you but didn't yeah, add no, anybody to the list. Is that, so no, is, no. Uh, I did not take any RSVPs. I did not ask them if they wanted chicken, fish, or a vegetarian option. Um, no, I didn't. Didn't, didn't do anybody. Any of, any of these? Anybody bring a plus one that you added to the list? Um, well, I mean, I guess you, you can argue that there are some plus ones because their addition to the list changed some rankings for others, but that's kind of reflected in the names that I sent you. So okay. I think we might as well get started. We're losing yeah. people. I can, okay. I can hear yeah, people can, going. Yeah. You get get yeah. to it already. Okay. So a big list here of seven names that we're going to um, go through. And, and Jamie, can you just explain the process of how uh, you did this and how you got to these seven names before we maybe dive directly into them? So there were a few of these names that have uh, I've looked around the fantasy community because I try to do my first initial set of rankings and projections kind of in a vacuum. Uh, it's very easy to get influenced by what the fantasy community is saying. And right now there are more voices in the fantasy community than there have ever been. And I think that's awesome. But everybody's going to have a favorite, uh, myself included. Everybody's going to have a player that they're just going to pound the table for that they love. And it's very and it's very easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle and get lost in the hype, especially when there starts to be like a, a group think kind of effect that happens where a lot of people in the fantasy community decide they're really in on this player. Like this is going to be the guy, which, you know, we talked a little bit about it with a guy that we're not going to talk about today in, in Adam Troutman, which I think um, I, is again, a worthy flyer, but I, I'm not buying into somebody that I want to leave my fantasy drafts with as my starter. Uh, unlike a lot of other uh, people out there that are really in on him having this breakout season it's possible, but I'm not on that train yet. So I want to kind of do these rankings in a vacuum and then put myself in a situation where I can go back and see, okay, where can I improve? What what, what assumptions did I make, which is why I kind of keep all this logged, what assumptions did I make when I made these projections? And is there a reason to believe that that assumption needs to change? Like I don't want to just add players just to add players because players are – 
everybody they have on based on certain target share, based on certain rush share. So you can't just start adding players. It's the numbers will then get all messed up. So is there a reason to believe that my assumptions need to be tweaked a bit? And there were a few players that since I've done my initial projections, which were actually done a few weeks before they got released publicly. So it's now been almost six. What I finished those Memorial Day. A little mm-hmm. before Memorial Day. So mm-hmm. it's been – I've had more – almost six weeks now to kind of see what has gone on in the fantasy world. Luckily, there haven't been really many, any major injuries that have had to impact it yet. I'm trying to see what needs to change. And I kind of looked at seven players, and a couple of them were fan submissions. Um, you know, reader submissions, listeners of the show said, hey, you know, you really need to do another check on this player. or Are you paying attention to this player? Have you seen what this was being said? Um, and when those circumstances change, I will go back and make these changes, which are already reflected live. Uh, if you check out the draftnetwork.com under the fancy tab for any of the positional rankings. And if you've already checked them, you know, there's a Google uh, spreadsheet attached at the bottom. That is a living, breathing spreadsheet. Um, I will do other like rankings posts from here or there. But in terms of just a projections total, uh, that will continue to be updated throughout the, the offseason as we get closer to you doing your fantasy drafts or doing more fantasy drafts. So the first name on the list I think is extremely intriguing because on paper, when you look at the other players that are on this team at the skill positions, it's interesting that this guy comes up, but you look at some of the headlines that are talked about when it comes to this guy, it's not a surprise that he ends up on this list. Noah Gray of the Kansas City Chiefs is the first name we have to start. And Jamie, just a quick, a very quick Google search saw a story from Travis Kelsey who says Noah Gray is years ahead of being a rookie. And then another story that says Andy Reid impressed with Chiefs rookie after minicamp. So the buzz around Noah Gray is growing. Is that what has led you to do this recheck? Yes, there's a lot of buzz about that. There's a lot of buzz, but more importantly about the Chiefs running more two tight end sets this year, which is something that they did not do a ton of last year. But, you know, you're... This goes back into the question of how big of a step forward is Mecole Hardman about to take? Is there trust that Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle or any of those other auxiliary options on that team? Uh, are there are they a piece that could have some success? Who's the rookie that they drafted, Chris? Off the top of my head, I'm I'm totally blanking on the the mid to late round rookie that they took. The Chiefs at wide receiver, asking. yeah, the Chiefs at wide receiver. I mean, as the producer of this program, let me just let me look. I have it up so here. many like rookie names in my yeah, head at this I point, know. like not fantasy relevant, but I think I would like to throw his name into the mix while you're looking that up. Uh, Cornell Powell. Oh Clemson yeah, Clemson. Yeah, yeah. No, there he's 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 an interesting player, uh, but he's not somebody I expect to make an impact in year one. But Cornell Powell is somebody to kind of watch in that offense over the next few years, but. To me, if they don't seem to have a lot of confidence in that wide receiver two spot or wide receiver three spot, and they like what Noah Gray's doing, uh, they might run a little bit more two tight end sets. He's at least needs to be on my radar. Now, he ends up coming in here at tight end 36. So for the most part, he's not going to be a guy that you're worried about in a standard you know, 12-team PPR league with one tight end spot, one flex, or anything like that. But he is somebody that is at least worthy of being on my radar and being ranked for me as someone that I do think could be a guy that gets 50 or 60 targets inside that Chiefs offense this year. If they continue to do the things that we hear they're going to do, we will get a much better picture once training camp and once preseason games start to be being played, whether or not that that is the running them running two tight end sets are smoke or not. Like Noah Gray, I, I believe the hype around him that they like him and they're going to use him. But is he going to be on the field enough? That's the question. I think it's it's fascinating that we start with a player for the Kansas City Chiefs because I think just the assumption is like, oh, just going to be Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey. And that's where most of the of the workload is going to go when it comes to this passing offense. But there are some opportunities. And, and, and if this if 
to to use the phrase that you just used, if the smoke around this is real, then Noah Gray becomes a viable option. I don't think he becomes, you know, a top tier option. I don't even think he becomes that middle class tier that we talked about, but he's somebody to keep an eye on, I think, especially if the hype around him is as real as, as it appears to be. Yeah. And I realize the majority of the listeners of the show, he's not going to be super relevant to you, but we do have some listeners that play in very, very deep leagues. And Chris is raising his hand right now on an audio podcast and pointing to himself, but not, not autumn saying this audibly, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I just, you know, I want to throw some of these names. If they're good, if I redo them and they're good enough to hit the thresholds that I've talked about already, as you've seen, like my top 100 wide receivers, top, was it 65 running backs, right. top 35 tight ends. If they, if they cross that, or I guess it's almost 40 tight ends now. If they cross those thresholds, then I, I'm going to add them in. Even if I know that we're probably talking about 5% of our listeners that need them. Still, these guys are just names to watch. Even if you're not going to draft them this year, kind of keep an eye on them because you never know when they might pop up on your waiver wire as a viable option for you. Are you comfortable with me combining the next two players for this conversation? On the are they the Vikings players? They are the two Vikings yes, tight ends because they are Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith Jr. And this has been the, the, and if you've watched the the um, the top two hundred breakdown show that we did, uh, Irv Smith Jr. came up because Irv Smith Jr. has been a player that even after Jamie finished the rankings has been making him pull his hair out because he has just been confused as to what the Vikings tight end situation is going to be. And Jamie, can I read you a story from Sports Illustrated back on on June eleventh of this year? Can I just read you, you the headline? Why Tyler Conklin will be the 1B to Irv Smith Jr.'s 1A at tight end for the Vikings. Just on that headline alone, I'm out. I'm out. We're talking about 1A and 1Bs. That means I don't know who's going to get the lead work share. I'm out. Yeah. And for those reasons, I'm out. And I kind of am on both these guys now. I end up dropping Irv Smith Jr. from 11 down to 18, which will still make him fantasy relevant. Like he's still going to be a guy that's going to get drafted in a lot of leagues. He's still a guy that you're going to probably play during bye weeks. But all of a sudden, not that guy that you want to feel confident, that you feel confident with leaving your draft as even a low end tight end one at this point. Uh, You know, I still think he's going to be a guy that can get you six, maybe even seven touchdowns. But but his target share doesn't appear to be to the level I thought it was going to be with Kyle Rudolph gone. You know, Tyler Conklin's also not super relevant either. Like, he's down there at tight end 34. Like, I, I think he's going to be a lot better, you know, a real-life player for the Vikings and a fantasy player because what ends up happening here is we talked about even with the New England guys on our tight end show, there's just not that many targets to go around. And when you start splitting them like this, you really kind of hurt everybody's projections there. I still think Irv Smith Jr. is draftable. Uh, but I don't think he's somebody that now you, you'll be confident with as your tight end one leaving fantasy drafts. I think the frustrating thing for me was you watched even when Kyle Rudolph was there last year, Irv Smith really started to develop into, okay, there's another option here in this offense, and they might have found the, the tight end for the post-Kyle Rudolph era. And then Kyle Rudolph leaves, and then you start to think, okay, Irv Smith Jr., the opportunity is yours. We've cleared the path. You're going to be the guy. Yes, they still have Justin Jefferson. Yes, they still have Adam Thielen. But, Jamie, Kyle Rudolph was still a major player in the offense with those two guys there last year in the way that Kirk Cousins throws the football. So you thought, okay, Irv Smith Jr., his numbers are only going to improve. Only caught five touchdowns last year, but only two in his rookie season. You saw that that's going to continue to grow. And now you have this Tyler Conklin situation, and it just kind of, I guess the phrase I'll use is it muddies the water. It doesn't make me feel differently about Irv Smith Jr.'s talent and that I think he can develop into a legitimate tight end and a legitimate pass-catching option to this offense. But when making these types of fantasy decisions, if the situation is murky and the waters aren't very clear and I don't necessarily know who's going to get the, the lion's share of the targets – 
it's just a stay away for me. And it's nothing against Irv Smith Jr. We talk about be, stay away from players because we think they're injury risks or we don't like you know their situation. This is nothing against Irv Smith Jr. It is just against that I don't know who's going to get these targets. And that that's the crux of it because nobody's questioned Irv Smith Jr.'s talent level. The thing we everybody was so excited for this year was that potential increase in workload. And if that doesn't happen or only happens on a minor level – it's kind of kind of leave Irv Smith Jr. kind of where he's been as somebody that could pop up from here or there, a touchdown heavy tight end target that you're really just kind of kind of pick and choose certain matchups during the season. Now, I have no reason to believe that Mike Zimmer's bluffing here, and I have no reason to believe that any of this information about Tyler Conklin's not going to end up being true. All this does to me is, like you said, Chris, is just makes both them le- both of them less fantasy relevant than before. How's another tight end? How you feel about that? How you feel about talking about another tight end? This is one that was inspired by Jake a little bit. Really? Gerald Everett inspired by Jake to be the yeah. on the show? Yeah, a little bit by Jake, a little bit by there's you know the, the the way that you know Shane Waldron used tight ends in LA. You know, I, my issue with projecting Gerald Everett is and I and I like the talent of Gerald Everett, and, and I think there's there's a non-zero chance he really clicks in that offense and is somebody that is finishes inside like the top 15 tight ends. Like I think that's very doable. My concern is going to be we haven't seen that consistency since Jimmy Graham. We have seen the tight end position as a whole in Seattle has some consistency, but those targets have kind of been split. You know, he's still going to have some other guys there that are more traditional tight ends that might get work. You know, where does Gerald Everett kind of fit in the equation? Do they use him as like a, you know, as essentially like a wide receiver at times? Like, how are they going to use Gerald Everett? And, and can he stay healthy for the full season and keep that job? Uh, so he moved up for me to tight end 25. I, you know, he was down closer to 30 before. You know, I struggle with him because I th- I can see a path, like I just said, where he's extremely successful because he's got the tools to be it. And I do think there's a void there, even with the ridiculous amount of targets that go to the top two options in that offense. I still think there is room for a third pass catcher to make an impact. The question is going to be, is that Everett? Is that Will Disley? Is that Dwayne Eskridge? Like who, who ends up being that player? And is it going to be something that happens on a weekly basis? Or are we going to kind of be moving targets around – here and there, over yonder each week. We don't really actually know who's going to get it consistently. So but, I moved him up a little bit, but I still don't have him in uh, you know draftable territory for a 12-team league. But, Jamie, Pete Carroll believes that he's going to be a breakout player in the Seahawks offense. So I, he could I feel, be. I feel like you have to bump him up a little bit more just on that alone. I mean, the coach said it. I mean, why would I know. he lie? Coaches never lie. Coaches never lie. Never lie. I, I think. I think that last point you made is something that, that I agree with a lot. Is that this could be a scenario where there's a group of three to four guys that 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 put themselves into that third pass catching option, and on a week to week basis, it's a different person, right? I think the three people on this show are huge fans of Dwayne Eskridge and where he ended up. I think we've discussed this on the show plenty of times that we like that situation for him. Maybe not necessarily year one, but more long-term, but it could show flashes in year one. And if that's the case, does he emerge as that third pass catching option, right? And I think I, I think in the beginning, it's going to be a rotating, revolving door of, oh, this week it's Gerald Everett. This week it's Will Disley. This week it's Dwayne Eskridge. Until somebody consistently show, shows that they're the number three option. And that makes it really tough to take a guy like Gerald Everett because I, I the floor, I think, is extremely low 
in that regard, right? Because you just don't know where the targets are going to go for that number three option. DK is going to get his. Tyler yes, Lockett's so going to Lockett. get his. And so that's the tough part. A lot's going to those two guys. And so, and they're, I, I'm also go, I'm extremely interested to see what the Seattle offense looks like because in the that's early, the other in the early part of the season, we let Russ cook. And when they let Russ cook, he was throwing the ball a ton. I don't know if they're going to throw the ball that much, even and though that, that was when they were the most successful. I just don't know if point. they're if they're going to throw the ball that much, and that factors in how many targets are going to be there. The Seattle offense is a little bit of an enigma for us going into the season for a couple of reasons. One, the Seattle offense from the first eight weeks of the season was not the Seattle offense in the last eight weeks of the season, and that goes for real life and for fantasy. And for those that didn't have any Seahawks players on your team, you might not be aware of how disastrous that split was for a lot. Ask anybody who had DK Metcalf in their league last year what happened in the back half of the season. Stop Same throwing thing. the ball. Yeah. They come out this offseason and basically say that's what they want to do more of, but they did in the back half of the season. Run the ball more. Don't don't be don't let Russ cook to that level that he did before. You have a new offensive coordinator that comes in that we have not seen Russell Wilson with, so we don't know how Waldron's gonna operate this offense specifically for Russell Wilson and, and who's actually gonna be has the majority of the who has the last say in that offense and whatnot. So there are a little bit more questions about that offense than we would normally have, which is both positive and negative. The positive sign is there is room for somebody to be a breakout candidate. There is room for somebody to be used differently in this Seattle offense and they have used them prior to them with when it was Shanahan, or not Shanahan, uh, Schottenheimer there. So I'm intrigued. I would not be sh- like I said, there are some of these guys like if you told me that Dan Arnold or Jack Doyle, or O.J. Howard, or Tyler Conklin finished in the top 15, I would have a hard time believing that. I, If you told me it's Gerald Everett did, I would have less of trouble with putting that through my mind. Can we, but whatever can we, that's worth, that, that's that's probably not going to be draftable for most people listening to the show, but it's at least, you know, if you're in a really deep league or in a deep best ball league, like I don't think he's the worst flyer in the world of the position if you need to take a flyer. Or some leagues still have two, are, are going to two tight ends. I mean, so if you were in that scenario, then he is somebody that is relevant. Can we play a game here before we move on to the next player? Okay, Jigsaw. How many times? <laughs> how many times? You know, I've never seen any of those movies. Real, real quick, never I seen. Think any I saw them. one. I got. I I got the deal. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen one. I got the deal. I got the premise. Yeah. I'm good. I don't I think I need it out. Yeah, I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, through the first eight games of the season, like how Fast many times? And Furious, Chris. Like, have you seen the new one? Because I have not. Because I get it. Um, uh, Fast Nine. Yeah, sure. Whatever it is. All no, I, I have seen one fast movie. I think it was like fast six or seven and I got it. Yeah, I got it. I understood the premise. I jumped into the story into the middle. Not really something that I think needs a story. It's just a bunch of cars that go really fast, but jumped into the middle. I got the premise. I'm good. Although John Cena's in this one. So oh, you, you won't be able to see him, but John Cena's in this one. Okay. Russell Wilson through the first eight games of the season. I saw John Cena in the rock twice. I paid for that. I ain't, I ain't doing. The, oh, you mean in a movie. Got it. Russell Wilson through the first eight games of the season. How many pass attempts do you think he had? Uh, I'm going to say games of the season. 283. 297 for an average. Yeah, that's of, pretty good. That's very good. That's a for pretty an, good yeah. <laughs> For an average of 37.1 per game. All right? Yeah. Now, let's look at what the – I'm doing this live on the show. Always oh, a good Chris, thing. Chris does math live. This is, this is great audio. Well, I'm using Pro Football Reference, and it adds it up for me. The it last, does, you're still struggling here. The last eight games. Yes. How many times do you think you threw the ball? Um, 237 times. 261 for a per-game average of 32.6. So five less attempts per game almost. Yeah. 
And, and by the way, that was more than what they did the previous year. Like, look at look look at what his past attempts were the last like three years. So five hundred and fifty eight, yeah, over the sixteen games last year. And if I go to his go to that his overview, so yeah, like, what, what was the other one? Was like five twenty something, five oh, you know, five thirty. He had five sixteen in twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, he had four hundred and twenty seven in twenty eighteen, and then he had a stretch of five hundred plus in both twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. But the second half, it was just a drop off. It was just a it's huge a drop off. Drop -off. And it's not a high passing volume offense. Like I, no, I, I think no. that's low key. People don't realize that it's not a high passing volume offense relative to the rest of the league. I'm this player has come up a bunch in just casual fantasy conversation on this show in in a, in a variety of different ways. Damian Harris is the next yeah. player up on this list. And Jamie, you are going to have to sell me on even entertaining the idea of a New England running back. You have to sell me. Well, he's down here at 37, RB 37. That's where I moved him off. I basically put him right on par with James White. My, my selling point on Damian Harris, and this is a player that I'm constantly struggling with because this is a player that fits into the aforementioned category that we talked about earlier of somebody the fantasy community – or people I trust in the fantasy community are super high on to the point where I really I just have to like take a good hard look at it and see what am I missing. New England running backs are a disaster to have. Like I've been there, done that, when that offense was good. Yeah, I did I did the Sony Michelle thing for about a year too long. So my 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 thought on Damian Harris is this. I don't think there's any chance anybody else starts for them and running back. James White's going to have a role, but it's obvious, but it's, and he's had a role last year. It's just going to be a little bit more depressed than what it was when Tom Brady was there. We know that already. I, Sony Michelle might get cut by the time we get two months from now. Like, I would not be shocked to see Sony Michelle as a, you know, a, a last, you know, a last cut type of a player out of New England. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson is ready to take on any sort of a starting role. Rex Burkhead's no longer there. He's now with, with his old buddy Nick Casario uh, in Houston. So at this point, the only thing Damian Harris is really fighting against to be the starting running back of the New England Patriots, in a, even in a traditional role, is his own injury history, which is you have to consider, and I have him projected to miss four games here. I, I think he's going to be a player that – I need to come up with a term for this, Chris. Maybe you okay. can help me. Sure. A player that you look at their numbers at the end of the year – and they're solid, unspectacular, and you never took them off your bench. Like that's what I feel like Damian Harris is going to be for me. Where like he's going to get you nine, ten points a week when he's healthy, and at the end of the year you're going to go, "Huh, that's not bad. That's somebody that probably finishes in, in the quote unquote flex territory for the season." And then you realize you started him like one game. Like that's kind of where I feel like Damian Harris is now. Like I just I don't like that offense a lot, but I do like the fact that he could get a pretty decent workload, and he's going to be. This is the first time we feel like there's a clear lead back in New England in terms of a traditional running back. He's not going to catch many passes, which is going to hurt in PPR leagues. But I think he could be a I shouldn't say high floor, a medium floor type running back there. That especially when you're talking about guys that are ranked outside of my top thirty here. I think he's worth having on your roster. I think he's worth having on your bench. I don't know when you're going to feel super confident playing him. I think you might feel more confident if we see this offense operate under any sort of successful notion this year because last year was some, it was painful after week two. after basically Pretty much after that Seahawks game, uh, the, the Patriots-Seahawks game, it was painful 
watching New England's offense operate. Like I was just, I was just embarrassed to be a football fan. I was like, I hope nobody is watching this as their first NFL game, although never watch it yet. So I, I, I can't imagine the offense is going to be that bad again. Maybe it's going to look a lot better if and when Mac Jones takes over for Cam Newton. But look, I get it. If you say, I, I get if you don't want to deal with my uh, with New England running backs. I get it. I get if you don't want to deal with Tampa Bay running backs. Like I, I totally understand it's frustrating. But I do think he's somebody that's at least by week fill in medium floor caliber player. And I think I had him a little bit too low now, so I moved him up to RB37. Can I tell you what I was doing that entire time you were having that conversation? Um, you you wanted me to come up with with a phrase for, yeah. for, for Damian Harris, and all I was trying to think of was like super utility bench role players in baseball that I could compare Damian Harris to, and and I couldn't really think of. Corey Dickerson was the name that was just log jamming. Not my like brain. super utility player. Corey and, Dickerson is not a utility player. No, I know, but that's what my brain froze Marwin up, and that's Gonzalez. what happened. Marwan Gonzalez isn't, isn't a bad one. Here's Jonathan here's, VR. Here's you, shout out Jonathan VR. Here's my problem with this. Okay. They drafted Ramondre Stevenson. And there's the other, round? there's other issues with Ramondre Stevenson that I'm, I'm just going to put to the side for a moment. Because yes. So pure football conversation. Just, we're just going to look at this from a fantasy football perspective. And I feel like I just need to make that clear when we have this conversation because that other stuff is important. But I'm just going to focus on the fantasy conversation here. They're going to use him. He's extremely talented. We've talked about him on this show, how talented we think he is as a running back. Jake loves him. The, the talent. They're going to use him. And you yeah, look maybe. at Damian Harris's numbers, and I'm unimpressed with his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Ball's not thrown to him a bunch. Now, no. maybe when Mac Jones takes over this offense, because I think we all think that's going to be the case at some point during the season, maybe he checks down a little bit more, maybe he uses the running back more, and maybe that's what McDaniels does. He incorporates the running back more into the passing offense, and that's where you can get more more touches that way. I'm just extreme, extremely skeptical of a Bill Belichick offense all of a sudden having one main back and then going for a whole season that way. I just am. No, I agree. And when I say main back, I mean first and second down. Yes. Like he, he, that's what I mean. I, I don't think Ramondre Stevenson's a major threat to Damian Harris, at least until December. Like, I really I, I don't think that's going to happen now unless Damian Harris gets hurt, which, again, very possible. So, again, we're talking RB 37 here. I'm not saying rush out and draft him. I'm just saying I was a little bit low on him before and I wanted to kind of boost him up a little bit. Two more players on the list here. This one's going to hurt Jamie a little bit. James Robinson. I, I want this. One, I still don't like where I have him ranked. I moved so him. So where, where did you move him to? Forty-two. So he's RB forty-two. Yeah, I moved him up uh, between like Kenyon Drake and Jamal Williams. A guy who was as good as he was a year ago, undrafted, free agent. I know. Well, remember where I had him at the season, season, Chris? Remember where I mocked him? Like fifth you had or him overall had, or whatever. Yeah, you had him as one a top ten player to, to cut his well, knees draft, off. Him I, I mean, they drafted third down back Travis Etienne, so. Travis Etienne is gonna is is gonna be the guy. The question is going to be how much rushing work does James Robinson get? And like I still gave him a pretty solid workload. Like I still giving him right now. I have him at about 160 touches. Like that's not nothing. So like, here's I my just, so I guess my question for you would be is like you clearly don't feel comfortable giving him more workload considering the situation. I bumped him up a little bit 
but and, I, and, I, I don't and, feel comfortable. And, I still think Travis Etienne, even if he starts a little bit slower, I I, I still think he's going to build up to be that role. They didn't spend a top third 25 pick no, third on Travis back. Etienne to have him be a wide receiver in a room with plenty of quality wide receivers. Hold on, let me find, I'll, I'll find some quotes here. I've been doing also, it for by the way, else. A third down back isn't every down back when you're as bad as the Jaguars. Wow. I don't think you're wrong, but wow. Print that on a t-shirt. So, and that's and, and the reason why I asked you that question, Jamie, is because if if you don't feel more any more comfortable giving him more of a workload, then I think you've reached the the point of no return. Like you can't move him up anymore from here. I know it hurts really and can. it's painful, but like if giving him more workload makes you feel like no, this is unrealistic, then you then you've reached the ceiling. You've reached where he can't move any further. No, I'm literally at the point now where unless I have reason to believe through training camp and, and I almost said spring training because we talk about all these baseball references, but tra- <laughs> through training camp in the preseason that I should take work away from ETN. I, I can't find any more work. Like I just can't find it. So trying, I have I would to have to a... take stuff away from ETN. I, and I'm not really willing to do that at this point. I'm trying to find a quote from Urban Meyer about wide receiver Travis ETN, but I can't find one. Um particularly offhand but 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 yes i travis Etienne's clearly going to be the back they're not going to make him a wide receiver i think they're just doing that here in, in offseason to just get him work he's going to be the lead back and then that pushes everybody else and they don't, don't they have carlos hyde as well in that room who's probably I mean, gonna he exists that's fair but he he's just another guy in that room that's what i'm saying like i can't like and carlos hyde's not getting zero carries so like right. I, I so can't, like you can't you know, right the, the, the carry's got to go somewhere so I, I, and and this I is a team reason. And this is a team that is going to be losing a bunch. They're going to be down yes. big in the fourth quarter. They're going to throw the ball a lot. So there are, are just going to be a, a limited number of rushing attempts in that way because they're going to throw the ball a lot late because they're going to be down late. They're still a building team. They're still probably two years away from being at their peak potential. They're going to they're gonna be down 10, 14 points in the fourth quarter and have to throw a bunch. That's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And so yep. that means James Robinson doesn't get rushing touches. And so it's hard to move him up any further than this. I would just say this is a situation I'm going to keep a very close eye on. That's all I'm going to say about that. Like, I, I can't find any more. I have to have a reason to take workload away from ETN to give it to Robinson at this point to put him any higher. But he's a player I get asked about constantly, and I get it. Like, he was, he was a league winner for a lot of people. Especially since you got to, like, pick him up, like, four weeks before the season started. The last player on the list. The quarterback. For the Los Angeles Rams, and I love that he's on this list, Matthew Stafford. So you want to hear something funny? Did you move him above Jalen Hurts? No, I actually didn't move him up at all, even though I increased his I, I increased his numbers. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> he's kind of in this like he's in that like tier for me. He's in that Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford like tier. It's just um, so disrespectful to Matthew Stafford. I'm I, sorry, it's just this. He, here's the issue I'm I'm having with the Matthew Stafford projections. A- and I fully understand that I could be wrong here, but there's a point where I can only just make up things so much. And I understand the the notion, and trust me, nobody understands the upgrade difference between Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford more than I do. Like, I totally get it. I've been rallying against how Jared Goff being bad for eternities um, since he couldn't tell us where the sun goes at night or whatever it was that was on hard knocks there. But I think... The likelihood that a player like that is going to get a 25, 30, 35% boost in production is unrealistic. We just don't see that happening. And I think as, as good as the upgrade's going to be in terms of the offensive structure that's going to be there in LA, 
I don't necessarily think the weapons are going to be a massive upgrade for him from what he's had in recent years. It'll be a slight upgrade, I think, but not a massive upgrade. I mean, Kenny Galladay is, is a phenomenal receiver. Marvin Jones has been really good for him. He's had TJ Hawkinson for times. You know, he's had different, you know, pass catching backs. So, and I don't really think they have a good pass catching back there in Los Angeles anyway at the moment. So I don't think we're talking about a massive weapons upgrade. We are talking about a, a coaching schematic upgrade, but I think everybody is just projecting Matthew Stafford to have this massive jump in fantasy production that just is quite frankly unprecedented for somebody that's been in the league as long as he has. And I think people realize, and I have to continue to remind myself of how kind of mediocre of a fancy player Matthew Stafford has been in his career outside of that eight-game stretch a couple years ago before he got hurt. Like, he has not been a great fantasy player. He does not have a high touchdown percentage guy. Like, I, I, I've given him a couple different boosts here. I've, I've tried. I just I can't put him above this borderline QB1 territory. And I, and I know people love him. I know everybody expects him to go out there and set the world on fire. But... He's just not been that spectacular of a fantasy player that even when you start giving him five or 10% bumps, it still puts him in this category. Like he's not been a guy that's been a QB one most, most years. I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm buying into the potential. I'm buying into the hype. I'm buying into what that offense I think could be. And yes, they're not going to go out there and throw the ball 45, 50 times a game. And I think people, some people out there think, oh, Matt Stafford in L.A., they're just going to sling it. They're going to throw the ball all over the yard. That's not going to be the case. They're still going to turn around and give the ball to Cam Akers a bunch in L.A. They yeah. want to run the football. They're going to run the football because they can be extremely efficient at it as well. So they're not going to sling it around. And, 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 and a lot of what – and Not to cut you off, Chris, but I still haven't projected to have the third, uh, the fourth most pass attempts in the NFL. And and maybe like it's not like I'm. I just to me, it just he's not. He is a quintessential case of a guy that has been throughout his career a better real life quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. The production hasn't been there with a lot of high talented players. Like I know Detroit's been garbage for the most part, but the for fantasy purposes, the pieces around Matthew Stafford. Like if you want to go like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Higby, Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, Cam Akers versus you know Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, T.J. Hawkinson, like it's not a massive difference between the two. Like th- there really isn't. And one could argue at at, I mean one could argue Kenny Galladay is a better receiver at his peak was a better receiver than anybody the Rams have right now. Like yes. so, I, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not in a great situation in LA. I would I would much rather him be in LA with Sean McVay than be in Detroit with anybody. But I just think that he would have to be so much better than he has been outside of that eight game stretch we saw once than he's ever been throughout his entire career to be somebody that is going as like a top five or top eight quarterback, whereas a lot of people want to take him right now. Can I tell you what I think it is? When we think of when we when we partially, but when we think of Matt Stafford, and we think of the career he's had in Detroit, 
we think of all of the crazy second halves and crazy fourth quarters that he has had as a real-life quarterback to put Detroit in these miraculous situations where they're driving you know, with one minute to go to make a big comeback, right? They, they spot the other team 21 points in the first half and they make a, a roaring comeback to, to give themselves a chance, right? Everybody remembers Matt Stafford in his rookie season with the separated shoulder going back out there to throw a touchdown to win the game, right? That's what they think of with Matt Stafford. So now people think, oh my gosh, He's going to a, a a better team, a more well-run team, a more talented team. He's now going to completely unlock all of that potential over the course of, of, of all four quarters. That's what people think, and they're letting the real-life second-half version of Matt Stafford bleed over into what they think he's going to be as a, as, as a fantasy quarterback in L.A. That's what they think. I can see that. I just... Because how many times, how many times, if you are a if you are a casual NFL fan, the only time you see Matt Stafford is them showing a highlight montage of him of what he's done in the second half to give the Lions a chance to win the game. That's and he fair, looks but like he, he's just slinging it around. Here's what I want to share with you, though. Okay, so since let's go back one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's go back three, six, nine years. Okay. Okay. Here's his average fantasy points per game finish since 2012. Okay, and keep in mind. Like last season, just for context, I think I should bring this up just because sometimes we throw these numbers out there and we don't have the context to provide. So last year, I'm just going to give you what the QB 12, so the okay. bottom of QB1 so, territory, so what a, last year. What the QB1 floor is. On a per game. Because don't, don't, don't use totals, total points. That, that, that defeats the purpose. But a per game. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 18, so 19 fantasy points per game okay. last year. So that's the floor of a QB1 is 19 that was, fantasy points a game. That was last year. The year prior was 18.82. So let's say 19. 19 points. Okay. Since I'm going to read you his average fantasy points per game since 2012. Okay. Okay. This is the second. It really is. So his fourth year in the league, second year back from the massive injury that he had in in 2010. 17.2, 17.5, 15.7, 18.1, 17.5, 17.1. 13.3, 20.8 in that half season, 16.3. So of those seasons that you that you mentioned, there was one season which he cleared that floor. He essentially was, and then if you want to go back to 2011, we'll go tell you this year's 21 and a half. And then there were two years, two years mm -hmm. in his entire career where he has been above 18.1 fantasy points per game. And you had a couple of other years where he was close. Like he was probably right on the doorstep knocking on the door, trying to get invited into the party. But you're asking a lot. Like you're asking him, you're asking him for a major jump for a guy that has not been that player at any really at any point in his career. And yeah, and 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 he's an older player. He's not, yes. you know, he's not you're Tom Brady old. The best season of his career, which again, is it possible? Sure, sure. it is possible. But, but I think I think he is almost getting double counted for progression. Like they're going, oh, he's taking a massive uh, coaching jump and a massive talent jump. I don't think he's he's not taking a massive talent jump. So I just. And he's a guy I, – I don't know. It just – to me, I'm not going to be the one that pays full price for Matthew Stafford to have a season he has literally never had in his career that he's been in the, the NFL, what, 13 years now? Yeah. 12 years. And it, Sorry, and it's 12 fair. years. It's will be your 13, I believe. I'm just extremely excited about the potential of what he looks like I'm in that offense. I'm but excited. Yes, I'm I would excited pay a premium for that to do team. So. I'm just I'm – just, again, I, I don't know what is he going to be. Is he – again, I have him as, you know, pushing 4,800 yards and 30 touchdowns. Like, I'm not projecting a bad season for him. I just don't think he's going to be this fantasy star. And obviously, he doesn't have any of the rushing upside of some of these other guys. But I, I just don't think he's going to be in this, like, 35 to 40 touchdown range. 
If he is, it changes the equation. I just think that just I don't think that's where he's going to end up being. That's it. Player rechecks in the books. Uh, Jamie, everybody can find all of these projections and the individual positions and the individual rankings over at thedraftnetwork.com. But where can they follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And I got one last final thought here, Chris. A player that I'm still going to keep an eye on, and I've mentioned it before, but I continue hearing things from people I trust that are connected to Denver to just pay closer attention to Javante Williams. That's all I'm hearing. Love so to see it. as Love we get closer to, to trade, let's see, let's see what happens when we get to training camp and we get to preseason, everything operates. But um, I've been hesitant to move my Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon rankings, but it's something I am keeping a very, very close eye on for those that have asked. To follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. A lot of good Twitter content going up there as well. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back regularly scheduled programming Monday, Wednesday. Next week, we get back on track to continue the month of July. Everyone have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.